say regarding a team that is mathematically pacing toward 100 losses, but let's pump the brakes a little bit. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Steelers and Penguins Daily Shots right where you found this. The Pirates resume playing baseball tonight at PNC Park against the Mets. 7.05 p.m. first pitch. If I'm reading the mood of the fan base correctly, everyone's expecting lots of good things. And I don't want to be that guy that even comes close to trying to bring people down. But the cold truth is, this past week might have been as good as it gets. I'm referring, of course, to the triple whammy of the Pirates' rousing finish Sunday in New York to take out the Mets with that big comeback at City Field, followed by the draft. There was some initial trepidation about the selection of Louisville catcher Henry Davis at number one overall. My goodness, did that change by day two when the Pirates ended up producing one, two, three more players ranked in Baseball America's top 32. The equivalent, really, of four first-rounders, if you get right down to it. Jim Callis of ESPN yesterday graded the Pirates class, not surprisingly and not an upset, number one. And if all that wasn't enough, then Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds show up in the starting lineup. Reynolds, of course, being the late addition to put two Pirates out there. And even in those ugly uniforms, I'm sure there were a lot of people appreciated seeing the Pirates logo appear out there on that field in two different spots. What's next? What's to come? There's still three more months of this season. And the season itself is obviously shot from a team standpoint. I mean, it's shot to the moon. And individual stuff, we can go over this guy and that guy, hope to see improvement, let's see Mitch Keller get back, and all those usual second-half narratives uh, that apply in more normal settings. This isn't one of those. What's actually going to happen over the final three months of this season, in my eyes, is going to look and feel pretty bad. I, I, I'm, I, I don't really hesitate to say that. Because when you get to the end of this month, in the trade deadline, unless Ben Charrington's lost his mind, he's going to be moving more veterans for more prospects, because what's there currently, as encouraging as it is, both in terms of quantity and quality, isn't enough. It just isn't. It just isn't. Until you start seeing, not talking about anything that isn't chronology here, until you start seeing more prospects at the Indianapolis level, then you're never going to have that full, what's the word I'm looking for here? 
like that full effect from class A on up, where there's a real tension, there's that competition that Charrington talks about wanting to foster and nurture and grow. At the moment, what you have is a really encouraging group of pitchers in Greensboro. You have a couple of encouraging hitters in Altoona. You have next to nothing in Indianapolis. That's going to get you somewhere in the organizational rankings. And so will this draft class. And again, that's a legit feather in everyone's cap. The Pirates were meticulous, detailed, and aggressive in going after this group. But this ain't it. Still. I think Tyler Anderson's going to be traded. I think there's a very good chance, maybe more than any of them, that Richard Rodriguez is going to be traded. And yes, I think there's a chance that Adam Frazier will be traded. I don't think that's a dead certainty, and I'll be deeply disappointed if Charrington sees fit to move Frazier just because this is the time to move him and you take whatever the best offer is out there. Even if it is the best offer, that doesn't necessarily make it the right offer. It doesn't necessarily make it fair return. But these guys, bottom line, aren't going to be around. And this team is going to be, oh my goodness. I mean, if you thought they were having trouble offensively with the guy leading all of Major League Baseball in hits, imagine it without him. If you thought they were bad without having a superlative shutdown closer, well, just wait until he's not around. Anderson will make a difference, too. It's another arm lost from a rotation that really can't afford to do that. I'll understand why they're doing it. If it's the right kind of moves, I'll even applaud it. But I'm not going to sit here and think that the remainder of the 2021 season, certainly not at the Pittsburgh level, is going to be some bed of roses. It's not. It's not. It's going to be tough, and a lot of people will get turned off. I'm not going to criticize anybody who does that. I don't criticize people who praise them in one direction or the other for how they react to stuff. That's up to them. That's up to each individual. But I'm saying that it's going to be tough. And I feel like no matter what's happening at the lower levels, the Pirates are going to lose some people along the way because there are going to be some games that, you know, aren't great. We saw a handful of them so far in this first half. But it could get significantly worse. And if you're at the point where you're holding out hope for John Nagowski to rescue the 2021 season, that probably speaks more to the negative than it does to the positive. I say that respectfully for the Pirates' all-time greatest hitter. It's not going to be a picnic. This, this portion of the 2021 season, I have a feeling, in fact, might end up being the worst single portion of any part of this Charrington build. Because when you go into 2022, you have more of an idea of what you're doing, who belongs here, who belongs there, and you're going to start seeing 
some of that competition and so forth all the way down through the system, but also in Pittsburgh. If you see Miguel Yahure, Ruanzi Contreras make their way to Pittsburgh, that's a little bit closer to a contending reality. Of course, not next year, but it's, it's closer. If you see Rodolfo Castro earn his way onto the team, not just this team, that's easy. A better team, a more competitive team, then that's progress. None of this stuff is going to happen overnight, but I could see very easily, actually, a 2022 in which every level of the Pirates, including in Pittsburgh, will come with a much brighter feel than what most of this season has been. But it's going to take this lousy second half for it to happen, and it's going to take maybe 100 losses, maybe some blowout losses and things like that along the way for that to happen. They're going to be distasteful. I'm going to find them distasteful. I'm going to speak up after them the same way I did after those back-to-back shutouts at Coors Field because those aren't fun to watch. Those aren't uplifting or encouraging in any way. But I have a feeling that's where we're headed here. Hey, look, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Happy to be wrong in this case. When we come back, just one question. for just one question and that's brought to you on this program by the very good people at Mike's Beer Bar where we and a big group of subscribers gathered last night to celebrate the seventh anniversary of DK Pittsburgh Sports and it was a it was a really really good experience and I'm here to express my own appreciation to Mike Sukic for being part of that, uh, not just in sharing his establishment, but also in being a longtime sponsor. Mike owns both Mike's Beer Bar and North Shore Tavern. He's a passionate, dedicated individual who, like all restaurant owners, went through a really tough time over the past year. He's battled through it, I believe, He and both of his businesses down there across from PNC Park are going to be stronger than ever, and we're proud to be partners of Mike's Beer Bar and North Shore Tavern. Pay them a visit. Today's question comes from Mark, who asks, Now that apparently the Bucks have hit the draft jackpot with the four top 32 guys plus the rest of the minor league talent, does management have the player development staff in place to develop this influx of talent. My really blunt answer to that, Mark, is I don't know, and I'm going to default to being skeptical 
rather than optimistic about this because, yes, there have been a lot of changes under Charrington, but yes, there are also some people that are involved in development who were there from the previous administration. I would prefer to see how certain prospects come along with certain shortcomings. I'll give you an example. Nick Gonzalez, first-round pick. Last year of the Pirates, he's striking out a ton. Uh, he does make hard contact when he makes contact, but he's missing the ball. He's whiffing 30% of the time. And I don't care what kind of power hitter you might be that's an unacceptable rate and that has to get straightened out there's got to be some kind of balance there between you know hitting the ball 120 miles an hour or not hitting it at all I saw Gonzalez in the spring down in Bradenton and actually made note and reported the fact that he was missing the ball a lot like occasionally like even in batting practice so while there's every reason to believe that he's still going to be a big part of the Pirates' future, it's incumbent on development people every step of the way to ensure that, you know, he makes the next step of the way. We'll see how that goes. Mason Martin's another one. He's hitting a ton of home runs in Altoona, and he's hitting them out to that roller coaster beyond right field, so he's drawing a lot of extra attention for it on social media and so forth. He's really putting up some moonshots, but he's also really striking out a lot. And yes, I'm aware that baseball has been reduced to the three basic outcomes, home run, walk, strikeout. But I see and hear and read more and more and more about how modifications are going to happen to the game with the next collective bargaining agreement, possibly moving the mound back a foot, possibly enlarging the bases. These are things that are being done already as pilot projects in some minor leagues. And I get the sense that this is going to come to the main game. They want to get away from that, the people in New York. They want to get back to more traditional baseball, meaning Players moving from base to base. It keeps you more interested. Runners on the corners, one out. That keeps you sitting in the living room, keeps you from flipping the channel. Stolen bases are exciting. Heck, an infield hit in its own way is exciting. It's at least a play. It's something. There's athleticism involved. There's a close call. And I think with this, you're going to see a de-emphasis on all-or-nothing type hitters. So how will the development people handle, navigate the troubles uh, and the good spots that prospects like Gonzalez and Martin have along the way? That's where you start getting a better feel for it. I don't have that right now. I really don't, Mark, and I, I don't want to label them in one direction or the other. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes with the pitchers, you know? Hanrahan solves Mitch Keller when Oscar Marine couldn't. Well, part of that, of course, is that he's facing AAA hitters instead of big league hitters. But hey, you know, it's a 
Credit to Hanrahan if he can pull it off. And, of course, Keller's been pretty good so far in Indy. So we'll see. There's just a long, long way to go for me to give you a blanket answer on something like that. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates, not just today, uh, all week and all the time. Uh, It's been a lot of fun doing this show. Uh, And it's been even more fun to hear back from you. If you like what you're hearing, uh, please feel free to leave a a positive review. That sort of stuff goes a long way in the podcast business. It helps us out with uh, what are known as the algorithms. It means that we're more readily available on searches and so forth. And we can get this out to even more people. Thank you, and we'll do this again Monday. (laughs) 